You're listening to the Morning Brew with Stu Podcast, and here's your host, Stuart Brooking. And here we go. Welcome to the Morning Brew with Stu. As always, I'm your host, Stuart Brooking, and my guest today is a returning guest, a friend of mine, a former colleague. I I have since moved on, but it is the one, the only host of the Jack of All Trades podcast, Jack Bernie. Jack, welcome back to the show, my guy. Hey, Stuart, thanks for having me on, man. Always fun. Glad to catch up. All right. Hey, we're going to, for those who don't know, I think we've mentioned this a little bit before, but you're you're a Cleveland Browns fan. You're a Cle- Cleveland Cavaliers fan. And I want to start off with the Cavs. They signed a guy who, I work at Vincent's University in Vincent's, Indiana. You cover the new, you cover sports there in Terre Haute, Indiana, about 45 minutes down the road from where I live. And I'm saying all this to say the Cavs just signed Craig Porter Jr., uh, an undrafted rookie out of Wichita State by way of Vincent University, the school that I work at, by way of, I believe, Terre Haute South, or was it yep, North? Yeah, Terre Haute South. Mm-hmm. By the way of Terre Haute South in high school. And now he's made his way to sign a four-year deal with – the Cleveland Cavaliers kind of just talk you're you're a Cavs fan so you've got to watch his journey all this type of stuff kind of talk about what he I mean it started off in the summer Jack and now here we are he's got a four-year deal he had a great game versus Joel Embiid kind of talk about the journey he's had here leading up to this point for him to get a four-year contract yeah what a story it is I mean obviously you know he starts at Terre Haute South High School he wins a national title I believe at Vincennes University goes to Wichita State Kind of undrafted. Not a lot of people believed in him. The Cavs gave him a chance. He comes in in the Summer League. They win the Summer League title. The Cavs sign him to a two-way deal. And now he signs a four-year deal worth $8 million. I mean, that's life-changing money for him. It's an opportunity to be on an NBA roster. I mean, what a story it is. And he's played in limited games this year. He's played, I think, 32 games for the Cavs this year. And he's played well. You mentioned that overtime shot against Joel Embiid he had that gave the Cavs the lead. He had a great game in Chicago, I think, right before Christmas where he scored 21 points. The Cavs have dealt with a lot of injuries this year, and one of the guys that showed up every time his number was called was Craig Porter Jr. And, you know, Ricky Rubio just retired, so there's an opening behind Darius Garland for backup point guard in the Cavs rotation, and they believed in what Craig has shown them this year. They rewarded him with a contract, and I'm excited to see this story continue to grow. I mean, going from undrafted to – now, hey, you're on. You're here's a four year deal on a team that's one of the better teams in the Eastern Conference. I mean, what a story for Craig, and I'm I'm just happy to watch him continue to play. Yeah, I mean, it's something. Is what's crazy is the route that he took. I mean, I, I know a lot of NBA stars take this route, right? And they go from junior college and they transfer all those types of things. I think it's more rare in football, which is why you hear about it more from guys like Cam Newton and Aaron Rodgers and Josh Allen and all those, but. It, what's impressive is he's added to a long list of names from Vincent University yeah. that's gone on to play in the NBA. Sean Marion, Carl Landry, Bob McAdoo, the list goes on and on and on. But I think what's interesting about this, and I had the chance to watch him in 2019 when he played for the National, because I was a student there. I think what's interesting is it was unexpected. And I mean that in the nicest way possible. Like nothing against Craig when I say that, but like, you know, a lot of players went on to play D1 there. He went to play at Wichita State. Keith Clemens went on to play at Loyola Chicago. You had George Dixon went to play at EIU. And, you know, 
He's had a lot of success with Loyola. They went to the, the Elite Eight, the Final Four, I believe it was. And Craig, not as much at Wichita State. So when you looked at all those guys who wound up making it to the NBA, Craig, I think, has kind of fought this his entire life and his entire career of kind of being the underdog. And here it is. It's paid off for him. Absolutely. And I think I've talked to Tara Oaks, South's basketball coach about Craig. I mean, I've interviewed him obviously throughout the season. I asked him about Craig and he kind of gave a similar answer to you because he was like, Craig was always a great all around player. He wasn't always in the spotlight. He didn't always score the most amount of points, but he knew how to do everything on the basketball court. And I think that's a big reason why Craig has gotten to where he is today. He's an outstanding defender. He's a little bit of an underside. He's like six two, six three guard point guard in the NBA, but he's a great shot blocker. He's a great facilitator. And I think his ability to do so many things on the court not only allowed him to have success at Wichita State, but allowed him to have a role in the NBA and allowed him to sign this contract. And like you said, he might not be flashy. He might not have been the guy you expected at Vincennes or at Wichita State to be in the NBA signing a four-year contract, but he works so hard and he can do so many different things while on the court. I think that's why he was rewarded. And for those of you listening, I promise we'll move on from – these Indiana schools here in a minute, but I want to talk about another one. And the reason I say this is because they're gaining national attention. And, and Jack, this is a school that year and a half ago, two years ago. And I mean this in the nicest way possible. Again, Tara Hope really didn't really care about that much. And now they're selling out stadiums. And I'm talking about the Indiana state Sycamores. I'm talking about the team red led by, you know, Robbie Avila and, and, um, the USI transfer. I can't think of his name right now. Isaiah Swope. Isaiah Swope. Yeah, but led by those two guys, and then you know you had the Josh Short story, the head coach there, just kind of everything he's been through in his career. The nation's taking notice of this Indiana State Sycamore. The city of Terre Haute has taken notice and sold out multiple games in a row. Kind of talk. You've had the the privilege to cover this team. Talk about this team and, and what's going on right now with the Indiana State Sycamores as you're wearing a Sycamores hat. Yeah, man, it, it's been super exciting to cover the Sycamores this year. They, they got ranked this week. They're ranked number 23 in the AP poll. They did lose their game on Tuesday night, but first time since 1979, Larry Bird, they've been ranked. Um, I mean, just what a story, what a season it's been. I mean, you mentioned kind of the, the city of Terre Haute and kind of what it's been through this basketball program. When Josh Schertz got fired, they had a bad year. They had a bad first year under Coach Schertz. There were fans holding up fire shirt signs his first year in the crowd. And now they're holding up shirts for president signs and so- selling out the arena because this team is so much fun to watch. I mean, they play outstanding team basketball. You mentioned Robbie. You mentioned Isaiah Swope, Julian Larry. All those guys, They contrib- it's a different contributor every night. And their last two games of the season, I believe, are close to sold out as well, home games, that is. They've been outstanding. They've been very fun to watch. I mean, it seems like every time, every night they're in the game, no matter who they're playing, no matter where they're playing. Got a big game Saturday against, I believe, Southern Illinois at Southern Illinois. But I hope this team can continue this run. Through. I think they got to win Arch Madness now. I know there was talk of them possibly getting an at-large bid, but I think losing against Illinois State the other night might have might have hurt that resume a little bit. But I just hope this run can continue through Arch Madness and that this team can make it to the NCAA tournament. If not, this will be the second year in a row where they've won, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe where they've won 20-plus games yep. and would have missed the tournament, which is insane to think about when you think about kind of everything that this team's been on. The, the fact that Robbie Avila is looked at as the next, you know, miniature joker, those types of yeah. things. And, and we're going to we're gonna hear, as time goes on, we'll, we'll know where he's going to get drafted, where he's projected, what round he's projected. 
closer and as things go on and those types of things. But this, I've always said this about teams. You know, I'm a Butler basketball fan, and I said this about Butler. Every team has their window, and there's a window in which you've got to capitalize. Yes. For us, it was 2010, 2011 at Butler. And I'm not saying the year ends here, or I'm not saying that the window ends here for, for Indiana State, but, you know, there's a chance Robbie goes to the NBA next year. Isaiah, I believe, is a – you can correct me if I'm wrong. I believe he's a senior. So you're going to lose a guy in Isaiah Swope who was really good at USI, who's been really good at, at Indiana State University. This is a team that, yes, they have some depth, but – you know, I think their time is now. I'm not saying they're going to win a national championship, but do I think they could make a Loyola Chicago run from a couple of years ago? Yeah. Yeah, I do. Yeah, I agree. Their, their time is now. And I mean, uh, this team is is so good. And there's so many good players, but I mean, just the, the fluidity of not only college basketball, but college sports. You've got, when you have a team like this, you got to capitalize. I think they got to make the tournament this year. I think they got to try and make a run in the tournament because who's to say, you know, they're, I mean, I, not to speculate, but who's to say there isn't a better coaching job in the offseason for Coach Schertz? He's getting thrown around in some of these big job searches, you know, and if he leaves, who's going to follow him in the transfer portal? These are stuff you have to consider as a um, kind of a mid-major school. Like, like Ohio State doesn't have to worry about this, but Indiana State does. So I think it, they got to capitalize on this year, and I hope that the city of Terre Haute kind of realizes what Shirts has been building here, and I hope they pour into the NIL fund to try and help keep some of these guys here and to try and show Coach Shirts and these players that, hey, this is a place where not, you know, you're not only building something for this year, but you're building something for the future. Yeah, completely, and I think I think that's important. So let's take a look at March, at some of the March Madness, you know, look ahead. As we look ahead to the tournament, I think, you know, we could we could have a total of at least three Indiana teams making mm-hmm. the uh, the tournament in in Purdue. You look at a a Indiana State team and then my favorite team, the Butler Bulldogs. They've had three plus Q one wins this year, which is impressive for the fact of of this is only the second year of the third year of the Thad Mata era, but it's their first year with this group. And the fact that they've done a good job, I think that's a team. I don't know how much of a run they make, to be honest with you. But, um, yeah, I definitely think that's a that's a squad that, that can make the tournament if everything goes right. Yeah, absolutely. You mentioned Purdue and Butler and, along with ISU. We already kind of talked about ISU, but I've been really impressed with Butler. I mean, you mentioned the, the couple great quad one wins they have. I mean, Thad Mata has done an ex- excellent job. And as a guy who follows Ohio State athletics, seeing them let Thad Mata go for Chris Holtman, and then they just fired Chris Holtman this week to see the parallels there is kind of frustrating. But Thad Mata's done a great job at Butler. And then Purdue, we kind of talked about Purdue. I know last year everybody's going to remember Purdue losing to Fairleigh Dickinson, the 16 seed. But this Purdue team feels like a different vibe for me. I think this Purdue team is probably going to make a Final Four run this year. I know it hasn't happened since I think the 1980s. It could be even longer than that. But, you know, with Zach Eady, his last year, uh, the, the the freshman guards from last year, they're now sophomores. They're kind of learning how to play big-time college basketball. And Purdue doesn't have a, a loss outside of quad one. So they've really impressed me as well. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if we, we get those three Indiana teams in and Purdue and Butler seem primed for deep runs. Like, I think both of those teams are potential Sweet 16 teams. And then I think ISU's got a chance to get there too if they can win the Valley and get in. Yeah, I think I think the issue with Butler is a lot of the time it, it's a roller coaster for them. They'll play teams where, you know, that are ranked and and they beat them and you're like, man, I can't believe they won. And then they'll play teams that, you know, like a St. John's or, or, you know, 
some of those other schools here in the Big East that they should they should honestly beat the brakes off of. And you're like, I don't know if this team could win in the Horizon League the way that they're playing yeah. right now. So, you know, that's the problem I have with them in March because in March you've got to be kind of consistent with how you play. You can't really be up and down and all those types of things. But looking ahead, some of these Big East teams are, are tough. You know, I look at the Creighton team going to be tough. Oh, yeah. We know UConn's tough, but I also look at it. Some teams that I really like that, you know, are kind of farther down, maybe some seven or ten seeds. Colorado State is a team that I, I've, I've watched a little bit of. I like them. I like kind of the way that they've played this year. I like the job that they've done this season. I think they could make at least a run to the Sweet 16, in my opinion. But they got to get through TCU, who's also a tough team. Yeah, I like that take as well. I mean, you mentioned the Big East. The Big East is one of the better basketball com- uh, conferences in-, in the country. Obviously, UConn, the defending national champions, they're number one. I think Marquette's a top five team, too. Yes. With Shaka Smart. Yes. That wouldn't surprise me if they're kind of in the mix there. One team that I kind of like is a sleeper that's ranked, I believe, but kind of like in one of those not big conferences, Dayton. We all remember Dayton a couple years ago, the pandemic year. They were going to be a number one seed in the tournament that got wiped out. They're 20 and four, I believe this year they're ranked. I think they're ranked in the top 25 out out of the, uh, I think the a 10. So uh, that's another team I would kind of pencil in is maybe, maybe that we're all trying to find who is the FAU of this year. Remember FAU last year, they make that run to the final four with dusty may. They're obviously still ranked as well, but Dayton's a team I would circle, maybe keep my eye on come March that could surprise some people and make a deep run. Yeah, completely. And I, and I completely agree. Let's take a look. NBA All-Star Weekend is here in Indiana. Listen, it's Indiana-filled, this this podcast is, all right? So the All-Star Weekend is actually taking place as, as of now when you're listening to this. Um, who wins, in your opinion? Sabrina, Inesco, I believe, or <laughs> Steph Curry? Who, who wins the three-point contest? Remember, what you say here will be recorded, so... Choose your words. Yeah, <laughs> I, I think it's actually pretty cool that they're doing the, the Sabrina yeah. Yanosky versus uh, Steph Curry three-point contest. Pretty pretty cool. Um, I'm going to say Steph Curry respectfully. Uh, he's the greatest shooter of all time. And as a Cleveland Cavaliers fan, I have been burned by Steph Curry many, many times in the NBA Finals and witnessed his great shooting. So I think it's going to be a close close contest there, but I think Steph is going gonna, is gonna to take it home. I think the NBA All-Star – game does it right and i say that in a way jack of where like the pro bowl became this thing where people just i mean they stopped playing in the pro bowl no one cared those types of things i know we've had there were points in times where we had games that were almost 200 point games in nba all-star weekend but i believe this is the case you can correct me if i'm wrong but i believe they still do it to where the winning conference has home field or home court advantage in the uh in the nba finals yeah, I'm not sure. I really like the uh, the new rule they have in the NBA All Star Game, where it's um, they they do a target store target score in the fourth yes. quarter. So it's the first team to reach that number. It looks like the guys play a lot harder because they know, okay, we have to be the first team to get this score. I think they started it a couple years ago, but I think the NBA All Star Game is the best out of the three All Star Games um, between the the Pro Bowl which doesn't even really play football anymore, and the, the MLB All-Star game. I think they do it right. I mean, I'm excited for this weekend in Indiana. Indiana is obviously a great basketball state, so I'm sure that uh, all the Pacers fans down there will get, will get there, and uh, all the fans around the world will get down to Indianapolis and see Gamerich Fieldhouse, see all the All-Star festivity, festivities. Tyrese Halliburton starting the All-Star game, too, so that's yeah. cool for the Pacers fans as well. All right, I want to transition to this a little bit. We'll, we'll kind of touch on this just a little bit, but – 
NFL free agency is coming up and, and the NFL offseason is coming up. Joe Flacco helped carry your team to the playoffs. Do yeah. Unfortunately, it didn't it didn't go the way you hoped it did versus CJ Stroud and the Texans, <laughs> but do the Browns, in your opinion, do the Browns have to back to bring Chark up for him as far as a backup perspective goes and, and give him what he wants? Because you can't roll out there with, with Deshaun Watson, who we're hearing reports now could also not play next season because he could be suspended again based off of following you know, more stuff to do with the with the off-the-field stuff and the massage parlor and all that kind of stuff. So who knows what's going to happen with Deshaun Watson, but I would – I would rather have a guy like Joe Flacco back there than some of the other guys that we had earlier in the year. If you're a Browns fan. Yeah, that that's a great point and a great question. And not, not only the, the off the field, you know, speculation and everything. I mean, just the fact Deshaun's injury concerns. I mean, he, he goes out with a season ending injury. He's obviously had issues with the ACL in the past. So I think as a Cleveland Browns fan, as a Cleveland Browns organization, you can't, you know, and you know, in good fortune for this football team, in good faith, say, all right, we're just going to run it back with Deshaun and Dorian Thompson Robinson as our two quarterbacks. No, you need someone who you'd be comfortable starting a few games, and that's the reality of being a backup quarterback. You saw how many quarterbacks, starting quarterbacks, went out with season-ending injuries. You need to have a guy who can come in and play at a high level, which is why I think they should probably explore bringing back Joe Flacco because he knows the offense. He thrived in the Kevin Stefanski offense. And if Deshaun is playing poorly, if Deshaun goes out with an injury, if Deshaun has to miss some time due to other reasons, I would want a guy I trust with the offense. And Joe Flacco is a guy I do trust with the offense more so than a DTR. So I think they should bring back Flacco. The only reserve I would have bringing back Flacco is if I was guaranteed Watson was going to play the full year. And you wouldn't want Watson, you know, who I don't know if he's fully not going to be a good quarterback anymore or if part of it's in his head confidence-wise. And if you want him to be fully up confidence-wise. You don't want to bring in Flacco, who as soon as Watson throws a pick, has a bad game, the fans are going to be wearing their 15 jerseys chanting for Flacco to come in the game. That's not going to be good for his confidence. But in a pure football move, I would 100% want them to bring back Flacco as a backup quarterback. And then we were, I want to talk about one of my favorite players. I was so mad at the time. Now we got JT, it's okay. But I was so mad at the time when the Browns traded up to go get Nick Chubb because – or maybe they didn't trade up. They had to pick right before us, whatever. I wanted Chubb, Nick Chubb to be an Indianapolis Colt. And I was so mad at the time when you guys drafted him. He's a top three running back, in my opinion, when he's healthy. It's, it's in my opinion, it's JT. It's, you know, CMC or Derrick Henry. And then it's Nick Chubb. However you want to place it, whoever you want to put there, in my opinion, that's the top three when they're all healthy. This is now another leg injury for Nick Chubb. And running back, as much as I hate to say it, is expandable. Is this one? Of, is this the time where Nick Chubb maybe goes in place for another team? Because Cleveland says, "We love you. We appreciate you. We we love everything you've done for us." But with your injury history and the just the nature of the beast at the position, we can get somebody else to play your position just as well, potentially. Yeah, that's that's another great question. I mean, it's the second major, you know, reconstructive knee surgery he's had on the same knee. So, you know, you don't know if he's going to come back and be the same player. Obviously, we've seen guys come back before and have great seasons. I think Adrian Peterson back in 2012 and he came back from the ACL injury and won the MVP. But there's no guarantee Nick Chubb is going to be the same player. I think he has one year on his deal left for the Browns. I think he's owed about $13 million. So, 
it's going to be a big decision for Andrew Barry and the Browns front office this season because they could cut him before July 1st and that save the money um, on, on the books with the salary cap. Or they could try and extend him. And as a Browns fan, what he's meant to this organization, what he's meant to this team, how high of a level he's produced, I think he deserves a chance to come back. And I would like to see them maybe give him a two-year deal worth, I don't know, $18 million, kind of a, here's, you know, we appreciate you. We appreciate what you've done. We're, we're not going to give you as much money as we did the last contract, but we still want you here. We still want you to play for us. So I would like to see them do that, but I, I just can't stomach him playing for an, another AFC North team. If he's going to play for another team, just please don't make it Baltimore, Pittsburgh, Cincinnati. Just He can go anywhere else. But um, I hope the Browns do bring back Nick Chubb, but it would not surprise me due to the nature of the beast, like you said, with the running back position, due to the nature of the beast with, oh, yeah, Deshaun's contract is fully kicking in. So you can't kind of – unless you restructure that, you're going to have so much cap space cap money on the books anyway it wouldn't surprise me if the browns did make the business decision to move on from him but as a fan as a guy who roots for nick chubb and who roots for the browns i would love to see them bring him back real quick just some some things i want to i want to ask you we some big quarterback moves going to be happening this offseason oh not yeah just not just draft but with veteran quarterbacks and i'm doing a free agency preview show you know Later on this week, when you're hearing the show, or by the time you hear this, so I'm not going to give too much away, but you know, one of my favorites, Kirk Cousins, might be on the move. Uh, Russell Wilson's probably on the move. What's a bold prediction that you've got as far as uh, as um, where some of these quarterbacks line up next year? That's a great, great question. I also did a, a free agency preview episode of Jack of All Trades, so you can listen to that for more more takes. I'll give you a couple. I think that Justin Fields is going to have a new team. And if I had to bet what team that's going to be, I would say the Atlanta Falcons or the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, those are two teams that kind of really need to upgrade their quarterback position. There was a really big odd shift on DraftKings Sportsbook for Justin Fields' next team. The Steelers were like plus 1,200 one day, and then they were minus 125 the next day. So maybe they know something that we don't. So I think hiring Arthur just... Smith, I think hiring Arthur Smith yeah. has really put this idea that Ryan Tannehill – Yes, I said the same thing. I think, yeah, I think Brian Tannehill could end up there as well because, in my opinion, the Steelers can't run it back with just Kenny Pickett, Mason Rudolph. They need another option of a guy who can start and produce. And Tannehill would be cheaper than Fields. You wouldn't have to trade for Tannehill. You could just sign Tannehill. And he knows Arthur Smith. He had success with Arthur Smith in Tennessee. So that wouldn't surprise me at all as well. I mean, I'm trying to think Russell Wilson. I don't think he's going to start next year. I mean, I think he could go somewhere and compete maybe in new England for Russell Wilson. Cause I assume they're going to draft Jaden Daniels. Maybe you could bring in Russell Wilson to new England and have him mentor Daniels, so to speak, and start the season with the, the idea that Jaden Daniels is going to come in and be the full-time guy sooner rather than later. So that wouldn't surprise me with Russell Wilson, but it's going to be a wild quarterback off season. I just hope the bears draft Caleb Williams and they don't screw it up because if they run it back with Justin Fields and Matt Eberflus, I don't know what they're doing. See, I'm I'm a field supporter. I I'm I'm on the you keep fields, really train. okay. But and this won't happen. I I don't think because of the price. Because one, they play in the same division, but something tells me Minnesota will have a new quarterback, and and the Justin Jefferson has already said yeah. like I want to know who my quarterback is or what your plan is at QB before yeah, I before resign. Mm -hmm. So maybe they go get a Justin Fields. You you team that up with somebody, you know, or well, 
I'll, I'll give you, you my why. Go ahead. What do you think about Kirk Cousins? So if you think Minnesota's going to have a new quarterback, where do you think Kirk Cousins ends up? I think the perfect place for him and that he would he would go to this place and I'll talk more about this on my previous yeah, show. Yeah. I I think he the perfect place for him is Atlanta. I think he instantly becomes Ooh, okay. the best quarterback in the, that division. They become the best team in that division. And they're instantly a playoff team, in my opinion. You give him Kyle Pitts, Drake like London, that. you give him a really good defense, and you give him Bijan Robinson back there. Like this is a it's set up for them to and, and the guy who throws for four thousand yards and thirty touchdowns every year with like eight picks. Yeah, I think that's a team that instantly he overnight you've got a playoff team there in Atlanta with Kirk Cousins being your quarterback. I think. I think the New York Giants is where Justin Fields winds up. I I, I really Ooh. do. Mm-hmm. The Giants, yeah, I, I think, think they move on from yeah. Daniel Jones. I think they're too far back to draft one of the top three guys in Jaden Daniels or Drake May or Caleb Williams. I don't think they want to trade up. I don't think they really like J.J. McCarthy that well. So you you and the asking price came out yesterday. All they want is a day three and a day or day two and day three pick for Justin Fields. You give up a third and a fifth. You get Justin Fields. You you can do, think about all the RPOs and read options and things you can do with him and Saquon Barkley back there. Yeah, I like that. I, I think they can't run it back with Daniel Jones. I mean, that, I thought that contract was horrible when they signed him to the long-term extension, but Brian Dable's coaching for his job. So, I mean, I, they would not surprise me at all for, for them to make a move like that. And I kind of like that fit for him. You know, him and Saquon Barkley would give you a dynamic backfield, kind of a change of scenery for Justin. I still think he's a very talented player. I obviously rooted for him at Ohio State. Was hoping it worked out with the Bears. I, I'm I just think the Bears have got to take their guy at number one this year after trading the pick last year. But I think that would be a good change of scenery for Justin. I think Brian Dable still a good offensive mind to coach with. So uh, I, I think that would be a good fit for him. Yeah, completely. All right, for more of my free agency quarterback stuff, we'll talk. You know, you, y'all will hear it coming out later this week. You know, Russell Wilson, I think, is the hardest one to navigate kind of where he's going to go because the fit. Is kind of, and what's going to be asked for him and all that kind of stuff. So right. We'll, we'll see all that kind of stuff. Jack, before I let you go, let people know where they can find you, what you're working on, and all that good jazz, dude. Yeah, of course, man. Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Jack Bernie TV for all my uh, reporting here in Terre Haute with WTWO Sports. Got a lot of stuff going on with basketball season there. And then for my podcast, you can follow my podcast on Instagram at J O A T Sports Pod, Jack of All Trades Sports. You can find it on Spotify, Apple Podcasts. I just did an NFL preview episode as well. So you can listen to Stewart's first, then you can listen to mine, see how similar they are. But yeah, that's what I've been working on right now. Thanks for having me on the show as always, man. Yeah, of course, man. Hey, for those of you listening, please send this out to as many people as you know. Spam it in their DMs. Whatever you got to do, help the show grow. Have a good day, good night, good afternoon, whatever it is. You have a good one. See you next week.